Today we begin a new series called Connect Four, where we seek to help people to respond to today's issues through current wisdom and engage with the biblical narrative, leading hopefully to some really practical life application. And our hope is that this series provides support and encouragement to us as we seek to connect with and support um, others as well. So if this is the first time that you've come across this video of Northern um, or our podcast, then welcome. And I hope that it uh, today and the others that come in after in this series that look at topics like self-care and loneliness, work and families, that the things that we cover will be helpful to you. Today, we're looking and exploring the theory or issue, the today's issue of conspiracy theories. And I think we have all come across uh, conspiracy theories in one form or another. With some conspiracies like global warming being sometimes uh, something that both sides claim that the others are promoting as um, a conspiracy. So climate change deniers claim that those who believe in uh, global warming are conspiracists. In contrast, those who believe that climate, believe in climate change um, and deny, uh, and, and then there's those that deny that global warming is happening, that they're the ones that those deniers are conspiring with polluters and with governments to line their pockets. Conspiracies come in all shapes and sizes and degrees of harm. Like those that lightheartedly joke about phone lines being tapped through to Hitler's radical advancement of the pre-existing conspiracy that the Jews were primarily to blame for Germany's woes. Conspiracies which at their worst resulted in the genocide of millions of people. Perhaps some of these conspiracies ring a bit of a bell. The jet stream or chemtrails off planes that are, gut, that, are, that are there and produced by governments and their desires to spread chemicals and poisonous. That all vaccines are dangerous. Flat earth theory that believe that the world is not round. 9-11, that the buildings were destroyed by controlled demolition to justify the invasion into Afghanistan and Iraq. Fluoride in water is to soften us up, to allow us to have um, mind control applied to us by government. That the Christchurch shootings were staged. Da Vinci Code and similar, along the lines that Jesus faked his death and that there is a genetic bloodline that still exists from Jesus and Mary today. COVID-19 is a pandemic that has been created by Bill Gates or other actors, other people that are conspiring to do us harm. That 5G towers have caused COVID-19. And while I was researching this topic on the internet and tapping around my keyboard and doing all these different searches, I, the thought crossed my mind. I wonder if an alert might pop up on some government monitoring site, highlighting my sudden and frequent search history 
on conspiracy theories and therefore suggest that I might require extra supervision. So to those in ASIO that may be listening today, let me reassure you that I am not a risk. But I would say that, wouldn't I? And while there can be a desire to mock or laugh at those who believe in conspiracy theories, when we do, we are likely to ostracise those who believe in the conspiracy. And mocking only serves to push them to the margins where their only sense of validation is to further embed themselves within groups of people who believe as they do. The church is not immune to conspiracy theories. And some of us may remember that the belief that the introduction of the barcode or the universal product code was the realization of the mark of the beast, the number 666, or that God sent COVID-19 to punish or to bring, um, punish the world or to bring the American churches together. Others state that it's about the evil government um, leaders seeking to control and to bring in a new world order and that the tribulation that was spoken about in the Bible is upon us. I read one person who was stating that Jesus will return in the year 2030. And while many conspiracy theories lack any substance and are later proven to be false, there are occasions when so-called conspiracy theories are actually found to be true. Consider Watergate and President Nixon. Or another such example apparently is that during Prohibition in the 1920s to 1933, the American government agencies encouraged measures to make industrial alcohol undrinkable, including the addition of lethal chemicals and that people did actually die as a result. But today, conspiracy theories abound. <clears throat> and, and fear is fertile ground for these theories to take root in our lives or in the lives of those that we know and love. So what does current wisdom have to say about conspiracy theories? First, it suggests that we should challenge the false assumption that people who believe or are attracted to conspiracies are not well-functioning or educated people. Many very smart people believe and still get caught up in conspiracies. However, there does seem to be a correlation between people who are anxious or feel powerless and the need to find an explanation to address their questions. A pandemic appears to provide the ideal conditions in which to elicit feelings of threat, uncertainty, anxiety, and lack of control, all of which are understandable reactions. Conspiracies multiply in an information vacuum or when there are conflicting information from seemingly trusted sources. Does that sound familiar at all today? When people feel distressed and the truth is not forthcoming in a, a timely manner or a time that we think is appropriate, then the insertion of other answers can be attractive and straightforward 
to help address the gap. And because misinformation moves faster than factual information, because factual information needs to be checked and tested for assumptions before releasing it, then the misinformation arrives first. People seek out information themselves. And when trust is undermined, people can easily gravitate to those who express distrust. We can't trust X, Y, Z, but this is what I have found to be true. In other words, don't trust them, trust me. That's because conspiracy theories are regularly based on secret knowledge, which is counter conventional or, or counterintuitive to regular thinking. This makes it difficult to disprove for someone who holds the view with firm conviction of a cons in a conspiracy theory. As soon as you try to disprove it, you're either part of the problem or you're also deluded by the powers that be. When suspicion and distrust start, like a bushfire, it can easily be challenging to put out. That's because of conformatory, uh, confirmationary bias, where we gravitate to those things that confirm our suspicions or beliefs. We prefer to spend time and connect with people or groups that support our beliefs. We experience positive affirmations from those who agree with our concerns or fears. Conspiracies tend to be directed towards affluence, power and authority. When I feel a loss of control and others are making decisions for me, I question their motives. Those who promote conspiracies feed off this desire to shift the balance of affluence, power and authority. The government's evil and they're to blame for COVID-19 and all your woes. Vote for me and I'll change things for you. This also joins forces with the desire to blame others for my circumstances. That blame can also serve as an opportunity to distance ourselves from personal responsibility. It's all their fault. Conspiracies will often create scapegoats. But what's at stake? To believe a conspiracy theory that Coca-Cola is made from squished up Beetlejuice may stop vegetarians and vegans from drinking it and others. Still, the impact on life and health is minimal. To believe the conspiracy theory that the harmful effects of smoking cigarettes is made up does have an impact and when believed will kill people. When asked by someone, do I believe in global warming and climate change? I ask them, well, what's the downside of believing this? If it means that we treat the environment better, if we live more sustainably, that we take better care of the world in which we live in and others that we live, that, that we share this world with, then changes in behavior can and should bring about a better world. But what does the Bible have to say about conspiracy theories? Well, it might actually surprise you to know that conspiracy theories were recorded from the very beginning. See if you recognize some of the themes 
that uh, we've looked at so far as I read from Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent said to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Don't trust God. Trust me. I have secret knowledge. There are things God is not telling you which are keeping you oppressed without you even knowing it. God wants to keep you blind to the truth. Believe me and you will take back the power. So if there were conspiracies around from the beginning of the Bible, it should seem reasonable to conclude that there is probably wisdom to be found in the Bible for how to deal with them. We need to strive to be different when it comes to conspiracy theories and rumours. In Exodus 23 verses 1 and 2, we read these words. You must not pass along false rumours. You must not cooperate with evil people by lying on the witness stand. You must not follow the crowd in doing wrong. Before you hit the forward button on the email or share a Facebook post or repost something, stop and do a fact check. We have a responsibility to do what we can to re, uh, that is reasonable to check if what we are about to pass on to others is true. We should not just go along with the crowd of those people that believe in conspiracy theories. Rumours are dangerous. Consider what the writer of Proverbs had to say from a few verses in Proverbs chapter 18. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 8, it says, Rumours are dainty morsels that sink deep into one's heart. In Proverbs 18, verse 13, Sprouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. The writer of Proverbs realises the destructive nature of rumours and conspiracy theories. Seeds that are sown and remain unchecked take root in our heart and affect us deeply. It's a little wonder that God gives this warning when the nation of Israel finds itself in a place where they are anxious and rumours and conspiracy theories are rife. In Isaiah chapter 8 verses 11 to 13 we read, The Lord has given me a strong warning not to think like everyone else does. He said, don't call everything a conspiracy like they do and don't live in dread of what frightens them. Make the Lord of heaven's armies holy in your life. 
He is the one you should fear. He is the one who should make you tremble. Don't get caught up in constant conspiracy theories. Some people have a reputation for pushing conspiracy theories. Everywhere they turn, there is another conspiracy theory to be discovered. Rather than following people like this, stop and consider if this is a pattern for those pushing conspiracies. If they do, then beware. People tend to feed fear and what we feed grows. These verses also remind us that conspiracies and um, the dread distract us from what is most important. For followers of Jesus, we are called to put God first, to hold God in reverence. For all of us, there is wisdom in remembering that conspiracy theories will often distract us and consume our time and energy, stealing away from more important things. In the internet world, the following of conspiracies can suck the life from you and have you end up living in dread and frightened. When Jesus lived in Israel 2,000 years ago, conspiracies were a part of life. Jesus was crucified on the cross because of conspiracy theories based on fear and a desire to protect affluence and regain power and control. And when Jesus looked to the future, he saw conspiracy theories as a theme into the future. In Matthew 24, Jesus looks into the future where there will be false claims and rumours. But Jesus calls us not to panic. You see, panic, fear and disinformation steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus in John 10.10 says that he has come to give us life to the full, not to fill us with fear. In a world that is filled with fear, the followers of the Prince of Peace then should be known as people of peace. In a world that is filled with fear, then followers of God's perfect love should find that love um, casts out and expels all fear, as it says in 1 John 4, 18. So how do we apply this today? When we come across theories that may be conspiratorial in nature, ask yourself some questions, and there's some questions that'll pop up on the screen. What is the source of this information? Does it come from someone that I know and trust? Does it come from someone that has a demonstrated pattern of communicating conspiracy theories? What's being claimed? Is it reasonable and logical? If you follow the line of thinking all the way through, what's the natural conclusion if I follow this to its natural end? And what if I don't? What's the conclusion then? In the search for answers, be patient. Sometimes facts can take longer to come to light than conspiracies. Who will lose and who will win out of this information? What, if any, is there a shift in power or authority? Before you share it with others, 
seek out someone you know and trust who has your best interests at heart. Use them as a sounding board. Be prepared to allow them to ask you the questions. As Proverbs 18:17 says, the first to speak in court sounds right until the cross-examination begins. And what about when someone comes to us pushing a conspiracy theory? Well, there's some wisdom in the Bible again for an occasion such as this. Paul, when he writes to a young leader, um, has this to say to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.23. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change these people's heart and they will learn the truth. So if you find yourself talking with someone who holds what you suspect is a conspiracy theory, consider first whether you want to get into it and what um, you do and don't do. If it's not dangerous and if you just want to prove that, that they are wrong, then perhaps choose a different sport to play. Love and seeking the best for another should be your motivation, not trying to show off yourself as being superior. It's likely that this response will only play into the conspiracy. But if you do want to engage with them, if you do feel it's appropriate, then listen to them. Gain an understanding of what is going on for them in this. What is their fear? What has them questioning their trust in what they're being told? What's an underlying question for them? Be kind to them. Be patient with them. If they're a person who follows a religious belief, consider asking them what do their religious beliefs um, do and where do they sit in this situation? For those who are followers of Jesus, then when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life, that Jesus talks about being the Prince of Peace, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, then what can we draw from our relationship or a relationship with Jesus to help respond to these troubling conspiracies? Gently respond and ask questions that help to shed light on the theory. Support them and ask them if they are open to exploring with you the strengths and the weaknesses of what the current controversial or conspiratorial view is and allow them to challenge and explore these in a safe and loving way. For those regular to Northern, there's some final reflections for our response today. And they're these. Where do you place your trust? Is this life giving or life taking? Fear takes away while love and peace are life transforming. Who do you know that is experiencing fear? How can you show them God's love and peace today? 
there's an opportunity for us to respond and in a moment some music's going to be played and I encourage you to whether it be via chat whether it be via text message or email or even just on a, a piece of paper if you've got it close by to maybe jot down some thoughts on those questions that are on the response side as the music's played now thanks god bless you <laughs>